It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me as always. It's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is former Ole Miss tight end Kenny Yaboa. Coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. We said it was going to happen, and it did. Taiwan Malone is an Ole Miss Rebel. The only pickup for Ole Miss on National Signing Day, but we expected that. We only expected, and we're only watching out for, one player, Taiwan Malone. But it was the one player that Bradley Sal said in November Ole Miss desperately had to have. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Ben? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that, um, yeah, he was he was certainly a huge piece of this class. It goes without saying. Um, he, he, he not only is one of the top players in the nation, um, but he, he also feels a huge need for Ole Miss. And I think that, that we found a guy to build our defense around. Um, I don't think people really realize what kind of freak this kid is. Um, he, he is, he is next level. I mean, the, the dude is a real, real legit athlete on top of a big guy. So, um, he, he's a huge difference maker. Um, he, He's people are about to see. I, I'm calling it now. I think he's gonna be one of the best rebels to play D line here. Man, that's some high praise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you look at his film. You just look how athletic he is. Anytime you you have a kid that's that big and built that well, and you see him kind of swing a baseball bat, you see him, you know, the way he moves. I mean, that you just do not find these guys very often, and, and usually they're they're playing for Alabama going in the first round. So. Um, yes, this dude is the real deal. And I was extremely impressed with his, um, signing day interview. He seems like, a, um, he seems like a really smart, intelligent kid, which, um, you know, could, could be the, could be the total package here. So, um, I, I'm extremely excited about him. And then I saw a video of him of swinging a baseball bat and I was really sold. I mean, he's, he's a pretty fluid athletic dude. So, um, I'm excited about him. I think Ole Miss is going to embrace him. I actually think he's going to be um, highly loved here at Ole Miss, especially if he plays baseball and football. 
um, he, he is stepping to a place where he can really become an Ole Miss legend. I'm glad you brought up baseball. If you check out the Ole Miss Spirit tomorrow morning, or if you're listening on this Thursday morning as this podcast comes out, I've got a story about the baseball side of Taiwan Malone with quotes from Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss hitting coach Mike Clement. He has real power, real short, compact swing that results in a lot of exit velocities matching or going upwards of 100 miles per hour. So the dude's got real power. He's a first baseman. He's a designated, he's a designated hitter, but a right-handed hitting slugger. And he said it in his press conference on Wednesday that this was as much a baseball decision as it was a football decision, if not more of a baseball decision. And you got to give props to Mike Bianco, Carl Lafferty, Mike Clement for the job they did in picking this kid up. Remember, this whole year was an impossible task almost for every college football program. No in-person contact, no on-campus visits, none of that. Everything was done virtually because of COVID. But before the shutdown back in March, Taiwan Malone came on an unofficial visit for the Princeton series. And Ole Miss Baseball hit 10 home runs that series. And once their season was suspended, Ole Miss was number one in the country with 37 home runs. Six better than number two, which was Tennessee. And Tennessee was one of six finalists for Taiwan Malone. But what hurt Tennessee? Well, the mess on the football side. Florida State was in it for a while. Rutgers was in it a little bit. It really came down to Ole Miss Miss and Texas A&M. And Ole Miss's baseball program is what pushed Ole Miss over the edge for this kid. So, so many props for Mike Bianco and Steph. They deserve it. Because if not for their efforts, I don't know if Ole Miss gets this kid. And their relationship with with this kid. They had face-to-face time, probably more face-to-face time with Taiwan Malone than Lane Kiffin and staff did. That can't be forgotten in this entire thing. And in that Princeton series, Taiwan Malone gets to watch John Rice Plumley, Jerry Ely, who both just did remarkable things on a football field for a football season, now playing baseball. It wasn't lip service. It happened. And baseball is unique because they get eight walk-ons, but for Ole Miss... They now have three of those eight walk-on slots, assuming that John Rice and Jerry Young play baseball next year too, reserved for toolsy two-way players that have real ability. Usually walk-ons, you're not going to play. You have an uphill climb to say the least to play. These three guys all have some type of tool that could lend themselves to real playing time. John Rice this year according to Mike Bianco, is competing to play in center field. Jerion Ely is hurt with a shoulder surgery. He's out for the year. We know that. But all of these guys have a tool or multiple tools, which is usually what you don't get with walk-ons in baseball. But Ole Miss baseball, they're in a perfect position. It's free for them. All three guys are free. But it took an effort on the part of Mike Bianco and staff, a massive effort, a collaborative effort with Chris Partridge, Marquise Watson, Lane Kiffin, to land this kid. This was a really, really tough recruitment, and it was such a roller coaster that you and I talked on and off about it since November. You felt good for a while, then you felt bad, then you were worried, then you felt good, and then you were kind of worried again. I had a pretty good feeling. That's why I said it on Tuesday. I'd be surprised if he went anywhere but Ole Miss because of the Ole Miss baseball staff's work and effort into landing the kid. So props to them. They did a hell of a job. Yeah, I kind of heard early on there were some, you know, a lot of a lot of FaceTimes going on with, um, you know, Bianco, um, you know, John Rice, Ely on there. I heard heard it was yeah a really a really good job by the baseball staff and and they were really involved in this decision um, with him. So I mean, it's uh, um, after seeing the kid interview and stuff, I'm I'm not surprised it took him this this long because he seemed like he's a very intelligent kid that kind of thinks out thinks everything out and. you know, I, I can definitely see him taking his time the way he did and making sure he's making the right decision. This is a big time player, man. I mean, he, he, he is very talented. Um, you know, choosing the right school is very important for someone of, of this caliber and, um, you know, getting the old Miss baseball experience with a nice small town. Um, you know, it's kind of safe and a good environment where you can come here and kind of, 
kind of lock yourself in, um, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, stay extremely focused and, um, you know, kind of get what you need to get done in college to make it to the next level. He's definitely one of those guys. So I think you made a great choice. I hope, um, you know, I, I know Ole Miss and, and Oxford will embrace this kid and, um, you know, he'll, he'll be, he'll be extremely happy whenever he gets here and give it to the kid. He kept this decision from leaking completely. Lane Kiffin said in his press conference on Wednesday, he learned the news. He learned where the kid was going when he made the announcement. So Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Ole Miss, he found out when you did. Here's what he said in his press conference. Lane, when did you learn uh, from Taiwan that he was coming? Uh, When you did, which is very unusual. Um, You know, I usually have a saying, if you're watching and you don't know, you're not getting him. And uh, we, we had a really good feeling, um, you know, Partridge probably 30 minutes before the announcement said 99%, but, you know, he, he had not told me the actual words, which usually they do, and everyone else is watching is watching, and, and you're not going to win. So this was one, one of those unusual cases, but he's kind of a quiet kid to himself, so every once in a while this happens. You just don't see that in this day and age with social media and with the attention that many of these kids crave and seek out through social media, be it Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, they control their own message in many ways in their recruitment now. But this kid was deliberate. He was quiet about it, kind of fitness personality. And he kept a lid on where he was going to where for the first time in quite some time, there was real intrigue about which hat he was going to pick up. It was like an old school signing day. Yeah, it's certainly. I mean, you would hear stuff here and there, but you know, I don't know if anybody really had the true lead on this kid. I mean, people people suspected, you know, where he was going, but I, I think he kept it very close to his vest. Um, which, you know, I mean, I, he's he's an alpha dog, man. I mean, you can you can tell he's not with all, all that, you know, extra look at me stuff. He was he was went out, found his college, found the place he thought he could he could go and you know, get what he needed to get done and get out of it. So, um, yeah, he is a, um, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely impressed with the kid. I'm extremely impressed with the way he handled himself. Um, I, I'm really excited to see how he develops. I, I have, I have really, I'd be really shocked if this kid went one of the all time greats at Ole Miss assuming he stays healthy and, um, you yeah, know, really develops the, the, the way that he can. Um, I mean, his, his potential, the way he moves, how fluid this kid is. I mean, this kid is a real athlete. He's, he's a real, he's the real deal coming in. And this is the new normal. The December signing period is the most important signing period. That's when all the activity gets done. 18 enrollees, early enrollees for Ole Miss. They were waiting on one kid on the traditional signing day. Very few kids made decisions on Wednesday. It used to not be this way. Remember how this used to be an unofficial national holiday for all you recruitniks out there? It used to be totally different. Everybody glued to ESPN, ESPN2, all of this intrigue in regards to where the top prospects in the country were going. You had these watch parties by alumni groups and they'd have lunches and they'd serve breakfast and lunch. And then they'd uh, hear from the head coach later in the afternoon, right? He would show up in the building to talk about the class after doing his press conference with the media. Once the class was announced, it's not like that anymore. Wednesday was so chill. All anybody paid attention to for Ole Miss and watched out for and talked about for a day was Taiwan Malone, which was actually a lot of fun and good for the kid because I know he doesn't seek out the attention. But, buddy, if you're looking to maximize the eyeballs on your decision, you could not have handled it any better. It was perfect because you had a couple of schools, and I think it was really Ole Miss and Texas A&M fans. I think Tennessee and Florida State, they'd kind of given up at that point. But you had two fan bases really sitting on the edge of their seat, waiting to hear what you were going to do, waiting to watch and see which hats you were going to grab. I actually looked at the message board maybe an hour before and then 30 minutes before and the anticipation that was building. And then they started breaking down the way the hats were positioned on the table and what old Mrs. <laughs> hat looked like compared to Texas A&M's hat, that there was a sticker on Texas A&M's hat, not on old Mrs. hat. What did that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? I kind of, <laughs> I kind of miss those days. I kind of do. 
I used to hate it. I used to dread National Signing Day because every National Signing Day, there was a prospect that was announcing on national television, be it Tony Connor, Nick Brazel, you name it. And I was on the road. I always traveled to cover some kids' press conference. It was the busiest work day. And usually Ole Miss basketball had a game later that night. So it was an exhausting day because it was early in the morning, wake up 5 a.m. And then you're staying all the way to the end of the basketball game, which was what, 1030? And I'm not saying feeling sorry for myself or anything. Don't go saying, oh, Ben, oh, food, but I'm not asking for that. What I am saying, though, is it used to be the busiest day of the year. And Wednesday wasn't like that in the slightest. It wasn't like that at all. But it did have that throwback vibe that I kind of miss. The whole pageantry of it. Because let's be real, college football, for most all of us, has lost the pageantry. We don't really look at it like we used to with those rose-colored glasses that we used to have about college football, love of school and all that. We see it for the business that it is. So National Signing Day, at least, was a fake-out. It was at least the facade of pageantry, these kids realizing a dream. Yeah, we knew how the sausage was made, but at least you got to eat the sausage biscuit, right? You got to have it that one day. Wasn't like that. But Tywin Malone brought it back. It was a throwback day. I had fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. It's a good thing it was only one player. I mean, I do remember those days when you had 20-something guys you were looking out for. You know, you knew you, knew you had your 15 or 16 in the bag, and then – you know, were you going to get any surprises? And, you know, nine times out of 10, you didn't, you just got the guys that, that you said all along, you're going to get it very, very rarely. Did you actually get the surprise that everybody was, was claiming was going to happen. So, um, yeah, those, those were the good old days, man, where it was a rush on February 3rd to get that, get those papers in there and see who we could get. So, um, yeah, definitely different, definitely different times. I, I do, I do love the fact that kids enroll early now. I think that is a huge advantage for, for, for kids to get in there and get, um, you know, a, a a definitely a six month head start rather than, you know, I, I think I showed up at Ole Miss probably May the May the thirtieth or so, somewhere in there. And, you know, two months later you're out there in, in full pads, you know, ready to go versus versus SEC players. You don't really get a whole lot of time to get prepared. So young guys now can play quicker and um, you know, that early sign up period is is really cool that they do that. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman with former Ole Miss tight end Kenny Yaboa coming up on the modern women phone line. After I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings, maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel Sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. And Lane Kiffin believes that there will be spring practices. I hope he's right. I really hope he's right because to get these 18 enrollees in, 
what a benefit it would be to be able to go through practices. It would be huge. But we've come so far. We've come so far since 2016. Remember A.J. Brown's announcement? I was there at the Ole Miss Quarterback Club, holed up in a little office off to the side of the big room at the end of Ole Miss with all these tables surrounded by Ole Miss fans with the big screen up, and they wired in A.J. Brown's announcement. And when he announced at Starkville High School that he was going to Ole Miss, the eruption in the room, I actually videoed it and tweeted it out, and it went Ole Miss viral because national viral, you know what I'm saying. Ole Miss fans, they ate it up. That's what it used to be about, the celebration of it, the absurdity of it all. These are 18-year-old kids. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Some are only 17, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, and here, well, we, here we were in a building, in a room, jam-packed, all these fans just clinging to what he was going to say, even though we knew where he was going to go, just clinging to what he was going to say. But that's what Taiwan Malone got out of the Ole Miss fan base on Wednesday, and he got it out of his now head coach in Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin didn't know. Lane Kiffin's in Florida right now. Lane Kiffin had to try to find the feed on Twitter and actually called Chris Parcher. He's like, hey, man, how do I get on this feed? And Chris Parcher went, oh, it's already done. Oh, wait, he's committed? Yeah, Lane Kiffin, he didn't didn't even get to see the announcement. Oh, the absurdity of it is kind of great. But it wasn't Taiwan Malone's fault. It's just uh, we're not used to this anymore. There's no more Floyd Ravens. Right, where oh, his mother God. signs the LOI <laughs> and faxes it in because she so desperately wanted him to go to Ole Miss while he wanted to go to Texas A&M. We don't get that anymore. We don't have those moments anymore. Now, what, what year? What year was Floyd Raven? What year was it? Was he my year or was he right there? I feel like he would have been my class or right there around it. God, I can't. I, I want to say it was 2011, 10, 11, or 12. I want to say. I guess it was right after me then. Maybe. Yeah, yeah that, I can't that remember. A, but That was a crazy, crazy well, here, time. Here's what was so crazy about his recruitment is I had a really good relationship with that kid. That's back when I did it every single day. I don't cover recruiting anymore. I just knew a little bit about Tywin Malone. So, yeah, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit about saying he was going to go to Ole Miss. And I said it on Monday night as we recorded, and you heard it on Tuesday. Or maybe you heard it on Monday night because you're a late night owl type of person like me. But... I had a great relationship with that kid. I built it really early, did multiple stories on him, continued until about June. And we were in constant communication. And it wasn't me reaching out to him, he was reaching out to me. And then it just stopped. So that's not un, you know, familiar territory. That's not something that is out of the ordinary. It happens. Kids are kids. So I'd kind of given up. And then in November, on a random night... It had to be 2011 because I think it was the first year me and Emily were married. But on a Tuesday night or something like that, a weeknight, I get a random text from Floyd Raven. Just, hey, Ben, what's up? I'm like, hey, hey man. <laughs> what's going on? And then he told me all about his love of Ole Miss and how he's wanting to go to Ole Miss and to keep it quiet. And he didn't want to whatever, whatever, whatever. I was like, okay, cool, man. Just, hey, stay in communication with me. Let me know. And he did. Through his whole official visit, everything. Then in the build up to February... About January, mid-January, he goes ghost again. So I'm thinking, okay, it's done. But all you heard was, oh, he's going to Ole Miss. He's going to Ole Miss from every Ole Miss source, and that had to do with his mom having decided, no, she wanted him to go to Ole Miss. So the day of National Signing Day, it's all but officially announced. The Ole Miss official site didn't announce it yet, but it was all but official in terms of the circle that it had to be official with. Oh, yeah, Floyd Raven is in. But wait a second. What's the delay? So I texted Floyd. And I texted him again. Couldn't get him. Finally, Houston Nuts press conference happens. And we're sitting there waiting on him to come in. And this is when he says his mom, Floyd Raven's mom, really wanted him to be an Ole Miss Rebel. And I get a text from Floyd. He said, hey, man, I'm an Aggie. And I'm like, well, yeah, thanks, man. (laughs) It was the weirdest relationship with any recruit ever it was bizarre and and it kind of reminds me of what it is now with a lot of these kids right with twitter they love the attention i think floyd just loved the attention he loved to rile some people up i do think there's a little bit of a push and pull with him his mom and his mom want him to come to old miss but really floyd just loved the attention wednesday it wasn't about the attention for taiwan malone 
it was just about him keeping a lid on what his recruitment was about. And it came down in many respects, if not the number one factor to baseball. And Ole Miss baseball, they sold it. But, but what a good day for Ole Miss, right? This is exactly what you needed to happen if you're Ole Miss because it's the only prospect you're waiting on. But also, it's at a need position. But what was really fascinating, after we've talked to Lane Kiffin about Tywin Malone, in the same press conference, Neil McCready of RebelGrove.com asked him specifically about the spots left open. I think they got two or three scholarships. And about the transfers they might attack. Attack is a bad word. Go after. And he didn't mention any specific position, but he talked about defensive players. Nothing about tight ends. You know, I, I know they're really dependent on this. Um, the 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 kid that we got, the Wolf, I think, Hudson Wolf or whatever. I know they're really dependent on him to, to come in and, um, you know, try to bring him along. Um, I know they're excited about him being here early. Um, and then, you know, I, th- I think that it, they're just looking for that guy out there. I, I don't think they have him, um, but I think they're looking. And then I think at some point you may become with, with the, from within and see if you can take an athletic bigger receiver or something like that, maybe develop them or, or put someone in that slot. So they'll, 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 they'll come up with something before the season. Um, you know, someone will be there. There'll be a good, good player there. You, you hope Kelly comes back, but I think his injury may set him back a little bit. Um, but they'll, they'll make it work at that position. Casey Kelly showed that he can do it. Now, is he Kenny Yaboa? No. Can he stretch a defense like him? No. But he produced. If not for his effort in the first half of the Outback Bowl, Ole Miss, good chance it doesn't win. He was their top pass-catching option in the first half of the Outback Bowl. So I think they feel a little bit better about their position group than maybe they did going into the offseason, which I include the offseason, meaning the bowl game too, even though it was still in season. But at that point, you get what I'm saying. I think they feel better about it once they saw what he could do. The injury certainly sucks for him. It's bad. But if he is able to recover, and you include Hudson Wolf, But the thing about Lane Kiffin is I think we've got it all wrong in terms of how we think about his roster construction approach. It doesn't matter what the position is. And he kind of said this too. If there's a really good player available and they can land him, Save for a quarterback to replace Matt Crow, that ain't going to happen. But you get what I'm saying. There is no position outside of quarterback that he wouldn't take the best player available if that player wants to come. Because that's what great programs, that's what the best programs do. They take the best players that are out there. doesn't matter if it's redundant for a particular position. That just breeds competition. Good coaches get good players. Good teams have good players in droves. Alabama's an easy example, but it's really the only example. How they can replace Mark Ingram with Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry with TJ Yeldon, however it was, to end up in a place where it's Najee Harris, where every year they lose so much and it doesn't even matter. Now, Ole Miss is never going to be Alabama, but I think we look at Ole Miss's positions of need and say, okay, well, he's going to go into the portal and find a guy here. No. He's just going to find good players. It sounds so simple, but that's what good programs do. That's what the best programs do. They don't hamstring themselves to their needs. It's like in the NFL when you when a pro when a program or when an organization goes into the draft, they're not thinking about their need at a particular spot because that's how you get in trouble. No, you you don't try to just address the need if there's a better player available. You take the best player, right? Same kind of deal with the portal now. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think people do get caught up in too much of hey, position of need. I mean, listen, if there's an amazing you know linebacker, anything out there, you're not going to pass him up just because you need a tight end and you have to take some average guy. Um, I mean, I, I'm with Lane on that, man. I mean, you if there's good players out there that want to come, you take who you think's the best, and then you just you know you 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 add it up at the end. There's 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 enough players in college you know, hundred something guys to go out and find a guy and, and put someone in the spot and develop them, you know, so there's, um, there, there's, there's abundance of players. So there's, there's guys on there that, that have potential that, that he can make work, you know, until someone can come in there, you know? So yeah, I'm with you on that. I definitely go best player available. I, I I'm, I'm all for that. He did say defensive line, which d- shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Yeah. I think, Pat, I mean, I think you, you still, I think you still lack, you know, you're probably one pass rusher short. I think you need a need a, a really good edge guy. 
Um, another really good edge guy. I know we got some good linemen coming in, but I don't know if there's any, you know, real burners off the edge other than Sam Williams, whenever he actually puts his hand in the dirt and goes, um, you know, but I, I still think pass rush is a place where we could improve. So, um, so someone, someone out there on the edge would be nice. What should be the realistic expectation for Taiwan Malone in year one? Well, I think year one, you know, people have to realize he is um, obviously he's coming up with a lot of hype, a lot of talent. We've seen this happen before. Um, I, you, you just want to see flashes, you know. You do, I, I, I would not expect this kid to be dominant his first year, um, but there's going to be occasional play in there where you go, oh my gosh, like that's pretty amazing. You know, he's going to be that. He's going to be that kind of deal. And then once he gets comfortable out there and, and kind of gets into the environment and sees what it's like, and then he goes into that next off season full, you know, whole basically two off seasons of working out and and conditioning, I, I would fully expect him by by year two to be a be a pretty damn good player. So, um, yeah, you, you want to see flashes this year. You definitely want to see some some pressure. You want to see some some TFLs. You know, you want to see see some good flashes. If he comes in and dominates, then maybe he's the next Warren Sapp, but. Um, you know, a lot of times guys that do need a year um, to kind of, you know, get get rolling, especially especially in the trenches. But um, he has the ability and he has the frame, the potential to 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 come in and really shock people. But, yeah, I, I would say this year he he needs to flash just a little bit. And then, you know, you you can see that potential and then he'll kind of get his confidence up. And then then after that, it'll be all she wrote. Rankings wise, he didn't really do much to bump Ole Miss up, but just one player. You didn't really expect that. But Ole Miss did move up from 19th to 18th nationally. Again, tremendous work by Lane Kiffin and staff. What a close. We haven't seen that kind of close in Ole Miss modern-day recruiting history, I don't think. Seventh in the SEC. And one thing, another thing, that stuck out to me about Lane Kiffin's press conference is he mentioned that the lack of Mississippi recruits, which I never understood why that was even a topic, but he said it doesn't matter. They're going to recruit nationally. If the player is from Mississippi, great. If he's from New Jersey, like Tywin Malone, they're going after the best players. And the last coach to do that and believe he could do that and land players, his fair share, was Hugh Freeze. So I think Ole Miss, oh, Ed Orgeron did it too, right? This is what Ed did. This is what Hugh did. And Hugh came from that Ed tree. And Ed and Lane came from the Pete Carroll tree. It's the belief that you don't hamstring yourself to particular recruiting territories. If you truly strive to be better than your station, if Ole Miss is a mid-tier SEC football team, if you aspire to be greater than that, to climb, then your recruiting process, your recruiting approach and strategy has to aspire for more too. So this old-fashioned idea that you got to keep the best in-state talent in state, you got to keep them at Ole Miss. You got to get them at Ole Miss. No, just get good players. Again, it's simplistic, but that's the way it goes. Would you like to have Deion Smith? Of course, of course you would. But if you didn't evaluate an Antonio Harmon very particularly high, and Ole Miss didn't, so be it. You got good wide receivers. This class is full of good wide receivers. I don't think we're talking enough about a Quay Davis, for example, or your boy JJ Henry. My personal favorite is Braylon Brown. So I think there's a lot that sometimes people in this fan base make of keeping the kids in Mississippi in Mississippi. And it's a great thought. But that's not how Lane Kiffin thinks. Because he doesn't think of himself as a regional coach. He doesn't think of himself as a coach that's trying to take Ole Miss to seven, eight wins every year. He's trying to go for it, really go for it. And the next class, if they could do this in a year in which they had no in-person contact, no on-campus visits, if they could do this and then put that product on the field, I think it's fair that Ole Miss fans should have high expectations, even more high expectations for what next year's class could be. It could be, or rival at least, the top heavy class of 2013. I think they're swinging, and they've already got high-level commitments. But I like that strategy because when Ole Miss takes that approach, Houston Nutt did it with Ed Ordron's talent. Ed Ordron was just a terrible head coach, but he proved that if you go and aspire to get that kind of talent, players win, period. And Houston Nutt, bad as he was, came to Ole Miss without his fastball, 
One with that talent. Back-to-back Cotton Bowls. Remember that? Hugh Freeze, same thing. He didn't limit himself. He said, I'm going to go for everybody, sometimes to his detriment. Like chasing a linebacker in California, he had no chance of getting. Or a defensive lineman in Florida who lived 40 minutes from Gainesville getting that player to come instead of going to Florida. Those are just two cases, but at least he swung. Lane Kiffin, he believes he's getting these kids, and that's how it should be. And this is, if you're an Ole Miss fan, how you should want it to be if you want your program to get to the promised land, the place it hasn't been, Atlanta. Yeah, I like I like the way he's viewing it, man. I mean, you, you certainly got to go out and get the best players available. Don't give a shit where they're from, uh, Mississippi, wherever. Um, they evaluate the, the landscape of players. Um, and they go out and try to get the guys they think are, are, are the best players out there that, that that they feel like they have a chance to get, which is probably everybody with Lane. And, um, you know, they go after him. And the cool thing about someone like Kiffin and some of the coaches he brought in, um, they have connections all over the United States. So, I mean, that's a, that's something that Ole Miss probably hasn't had in the past, a bunch of people that are that are connected in the way the staff is and, um, you know, the kind of buzz he creates. Um, he's able to go into a to a house. I mean, it's Lane Kiffin at your house. You know, it's whatever. So he's Lane has a very good reputation, uh, or a very you know star-studded reputation out there. So um, he can easily sway kids that I don't think some coaches in the past at Ole Miss could have. So um, he, he cer- certainly need need the best out there. I don't care where they're from, and um, you know he he's doing a great job of that. And heck, his first two and only two commitments for 2022 are both from Mississippi, including Larry Simmons, a four-star. It's all about the best talent. If they're from Mississippi, great. If not, who cares? Just get the best players available. That's all I got. I have nothing else. We're about to get to Kenny Yaboa. That's about it. Wednesday was fun. I know for you it was fun. That's the guy I've been targeting the whole time. He's He was the first time I, I flicked on the tape and watched him. I was um, I was pretty pretty impressed. So he was, I mean, he just makes this class. This class is, I mean, it's just loaded with with really good players and stuff that we need. I think our defense is going to be better. I think our wide receivers are going to be loaded. Um, be a little young, but but they're going to be loaded here in the next year or two. And um, I mean, we're going to have some weapons out there, man. I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun year. Hopefully, they're humble, humble and hungry and working their asses off, getting ready to go because um, you know there, there's a real opportunity for them to come out and smack some folks this year. I really hope they get spring practices. How important is it to get spring practice? Yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely huge, man. I mean it's it, it's a time where where you can really work on what you need to work on. It's a time for guys to build confidence um, that they haven't played as much. It's a time for coaches to flip guys all around to try some different things. Um, it's a time to get some scrimmages in. It's a time for some guys that. Um, you know, need to get in the weight room and get bigger, stronger. It's time for some guys that are too fat to get skinnier. I mean, there's just everything in the world happens in the spring. Um, it really kind of leads up to your, to your summer workouts and kind of kind of gives some players a chance to, to prove themselves to coaches. Um, and then it gives the coaches a chance to, to build up some trust. I mean, it's hard to do in camp. When you're rolling out camp, you usually know who you want and, and where they go just from based off what you saw in the spring. So um, it's huge, especially for the young guys as well, to get in there and, and get, get hit, get really hit like they probably haven't been hit hit before, you know, and, um, you know, kind of, kind of gets them off to a good head start rather than stepping there at camp and then being shell-shocked and, um, you know, by the plays, everything else. So let's hope we have spring. I mean, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't, but, um, you know, you, you never know with everything going on now. So let's hope we get a good spring ball, and it should be a lot of excitement around Ole Miss. Um, you know, ho- hopefully the team has that same message and they're delivering it to their players. Um, you know, you can't get complacent here. You really haven't done shit but go five and five. And, um, you know, it's it, it, this year is a year where we can really turn this program around. This is way too early. And Ole Miss upset Tennessee, number 10 Tennessee, and that's great. But let's wait and see what happens after that. But who needs to have a good spring? I think you you point, you look right at Mingo and you look right at Drummond. Those guys have got to step up and be good players, um, you know, or, or they can get replaced. I mean, that, that they, they could, I could see Lane putting, because listen, they handpicked this, this recruiting class. And they like a lot of these guys, so it's just going to be like Henry Parrish getting getting carries over Snoop. That's that that's a Lane Kiffin guy. So when, whenever Lane has his recruits here, if there's guys that aren't um, you know performing performing and going to par, he's going to stick one of his guys that he handpicked in there and roll with them just because he's going to get that development in. So I think you look at those two guys, 
you know, I think they really need to need to step up in that wide receiver room. Then you go on defensive side of the ball, man. I mean, we need some we need some guys to to really step up over there as well. I mean, really the whole defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting spring. I'm excited to see see some reports on who's who's doing what, and um, you know who who's who all is getting better. Mine's Cedric Melton at right tackle. That's my number one guy. By the way, I'm looking at the official roster. We got some numbers. Number seven, Luke Altmeyer. Number three, Quay Davis. Number eight, DeAndre Prince, formerly number 24 before he left. Do you really get into numbers and what kids wear? Um, I think in college it's kind of goofy just because there's so many dudes and there's, you know, there's going to be, there may be two number threes. So, I mean, that, that stuff's crazy. And then it felt means something because, you, you know, it's kind of your, there's only 50 something guys. So, you know, people really are, I mean, there's guys who do not want to ever give up their number in the NFL. So, um, I think it's a little more important than NFL because you're kind of building a brand and, um, you kind of want everything to be attached to that number. So, um, yeah, that's, it's, I don't get into it much in college, but NFL, it, it actually means something to guys. Tysheem Johnson, 27, Markevious Brown, 28, MJ Daniels, 31. I thought Jalen Jones was coming back. Oh, wait, he was the Chucky Mullins award winner. He's 38. Okay, never mind. 31 for MJ Daniels, 37, Kendrick Breedlove at D back. 39, Dink Jackson. I like it that Lane is giving out available numbers. It's not about, oh, I want to be a high number, because this is what Freeze did. He promised certain numbers. Lane's just giving you the number that's available. It's fine in college if you're like Dink Jackson, get 39, to just own 39. I like it when guys just own numbers. At Alabama, they just own numbers. Eddie Jackson, number 39 for the Bears. He's an Alabama guy. 39 is a decent number. I'm just saying. Own your number. The best offensive line number will forever and always be 50, though. That's always going to be the best forever. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, it's a good old high school. You can play left guard and turn around and play Mike Linebacker. I'm saying. Yeah. What was your favorite number outside of the one you wear? Um, I always liked 85. I thought 85 was quote worded Ole Miss wore it with the Bears, and I was always 78 or 79. Um, I, I did get the whole shit end of the stick my, my rookie year when I came onto the Colts kind of late there, um, you know, right, right before camp. I came onto the Colts and I got number 60 and I was playing oh. right tackle. There's no worse number than number 60. The numbers are round. You look round, oh. but I had, I did not give one. I did not give two shits. As long as they were writing me a paycheck, I would have worn number zero, zero out there. It was, uh, I, I did not care. Oh, I love this. Jacor Pearson, 84. Wide receivers never wear 80s anymore in college. 84. Hudson Wolf at tight end, 87. Brandon Ooh, Buckhalter, wow. 89. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be nice to see some receivers out there in some 80s. Most most receivers are in the teens now. That's what I'm saying. 96, Isaiah Iton. That's strong. That's strong. Jamal yeah, that Gordon, is. 97. That's strong. Yep, I for, like it. Forget the whole like single-digit thing for defensive tackles. Give me 90s. Oh, yeah. I like it. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. I'm Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Kenny Yeboah, former Ole Miss tight end. Before we do it, good talking to you, man. Let's do it again next week. All right, see you, Ben. Howdy, toddy, man. Going out of the Modern Women phone line to speak to Kenny Yeboah, former Ole Miss tight end. Before we do, let's hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. (laughs) 
The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Kenny Yaboa used to be the tight end for Ole Miss. Now he's preparing for the NFL draft. Just got off of an impressive performance in the Senior Bowl. Caught a touchdown. The game-winning touchdown. And he joins us now on the Modern Woman phone line. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Mr. Grant? I'm good. I'm good. You're back in Pensacola training after the Senior Bowl, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Back here training. How does the training work. work for you? What do you do? So pretty much we work out twice a day. So in the morning, it'll either be linear movements so working on our 40s and just doing like a lot of 20 yard splits and then that and then on tuesdays and thursdays usually we do like side to side movements working on our three cone drill our five ten fives and things like that and then in the afternoons usually a lift session so either we do upper body or lower body each day alternate i know obviously you haven't gone through this process before but have you gotten any kind of feedback in regards to how the draft process or the preparation process has changed since not a lot of people know what it's going to look like leading up to the draft. So y'all are all kind of preparing for what y'all don't know. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, pretty much we're just all preparing for our pro days at this point, since there's no real NFL combine. So that's where a lot of scouts and teams can come see us. So that's pretty much all we're just preparing for now, which mine is at the end of March. So I still got a little while. How was the senior bowl? Obviously, you caught the touchdown, but the week itself, what all did you get out of it? The week was amazing, honestly. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience that a lot of people don't get to experience. So, I mean, I'm de- I was definitely thankful and just grateful for the opportunity to be able to go compete against the best of the best. So it was really fun throughout the week. I mean, like I said, just competing against the best of the best every day, just seeing the way they worked and different things that they'd done that I haven't seen before. It was fun and exciting. I mean, I got to learn a lot from the Dolphins coaching staff also, <clears throat> getting back into the NFL verbiage and words that they and language that they use. So pretty much just, it was fun, honestly. It was a lot of learning. I, would say. I learned a lot, and I'm thankful for it. What is the difference language-wise? Because you hear it all the time that the NFL mm-hmm. is starting to be more modeled after the college game as far as concepts and things like that, but the language, yeah. how different is it there? So the language is honestly like the plays, I mean, versus the plays at Ole Miss. Like at Ole Miss, we had like one word, and it'd be like a whole play or a whole field concept, and then maybe have like another word for a backside. But just getting used to like the NFL verbiage, where it's like 154, Z, go, X, hitch, Y, flat, just like getting used to that <clears throat> type verbiage again. It's just It's like longer, that's what I would say. So just getting used to having a long call again and just having to listen for your responsibility. What were the coaches trying to get out of you in particular? What did they say to you, the feedback you got from them specifically? So the feedback I pretty much got from them was just more <clears throat> working on my run blocking just because, I mean, my pass blocking, we did a lot of one-on-ones during the week. So it was more just being able to focus really on getting my pass, my run blocking down even more and just even better. So, I mean, that was a lot that we I worked on with the my position coach, Mike Judge, who is one of their personnel assistants. So, that was one thing I got a lot of coaching on from him and a lot of feedback. So, I mean, I took that and uh, every day after practice when we watched him, I'd write notes on it and what I could do better and just try to improve the next day, which I think I did. Is that something you really asked to do a lot at Temple and Ole Miss? Yeah, so, I mean, I played in four different offenses. So the thing was really like when I was at Temple, we I did a lot more hand in the ground, hand in the dirt, motioning across, doing a lot of H-back inserts and split zone, but then when I got to Ole Miss, it was more like perimeter blocking, backside cutoff, still inserts, but I really didn't have my hand in the ground since they like the type of office that we had. So, I mean, it was just kind of, I mean, I've done all the hand in the ground type blocking like years before this, so I was used to it, but I kind of just stared away from it since I got to Ole Miss, so I was pretty much just getting back used to it, just getting back to you having my hand in the ground. Is it wrong of me to say, though, that 
a lot of the modern NFL looks at tight ends like big wide receivers and you kind of fit that mold. So how much do you actually have to put your hand in the ground in the NFL? Yes, sir. That's you're right. Um, yeah, pretty much the NFL is just shaping more towards speedy and big tight ends, honestly, just athletic. So, I mean, that's more in my favor. Definitely. I would say so, but I mean, I feel like every NFL team at some point, like you're going to need a tight end who's able to put their hand in the ground and block and, block the six technique nine technique so i mean it's just something that i want to do it's something that i've always wanted to do even when i was at temple i um i want to keep getting better at it because if i could do both they'll never have to take me off and put me on the sidelines so that's the goal what have you heard from nfl talent evaluator scouts personnel people about what your draft positioning is if you've heard anything at all yeah uh well i mean i've been here like third to fifth round but I feel like it'll definitely go up with I still have to run my 40. They still have to see me run routes in person and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's still a lot of things that go in. There's a lot of things that go into this. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm going to keep working real hard every day. And just a lot of the NFL teams say they love my speed, the route running, the way I separate from linebackers and safety. So, I mean, that's a good thing. And I just want to keep getting better, even better and better, because I know there's still always lots of room for improvement. Is there a target number for you as far as the 40 come Ole Miss Pro Day? Yeah, honestly, I'm going to run a four, high 4.5, four low 4.6. That's uh, moving, man. That's moving. You're a big dude. I mean, how how far have you come in that respect as far as getting faster? I was like 2.15 when I got to high school, so I ran track my senior year. So that's really how I started building up speed. But, I mean, just like running and just learning a lot from coaches I've had previous years how to run. I mean, it's really much different running a 40. The 40 is a lot more technique and just, like, focus on pushing off the ground instead of, like, cycling. That's a lot of things that I've been learning since I've been here. Just, like, the beginning of your 40 is the most important um, because once you reach maximum speed, that's your maximum speed. You just have to maintain that. So, I mean, yeah, that, that was pretty much it. Honestly, just learn. I've been learning a lot since I've been here at Exos. Uh, we have a great strength uh, coach and speed coach, so... Yeah, I just I just plan I just really plan to run that high four, four five low four six and that's the goal. This is what you came to Ole Miss for, right? To open yourself up to get more opportunity. Do you feel like the Ole Miss experience was everything you expected and wanted it to be? Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt, honestly, it was even more than I expected. I'm I'm so grateful for all the things I was able to accomplish this year and just winning games with the team, winning meaningful SEC games. You know, playing against the best competition in the country. So it was it was really fun. I'm just excited that the coaches took a chance on me and put <clears throat> put their trust in me and I put my trust in my teammates and just worked real hard. So I'm very, very thankful that I was able to come to Ole Miss and be a part of that family. I never really got to talk to you about this, but how did that recruitment work? I mean, how did they approach you about that? How did Ole Miss get involved and who all did you pick Ole Miss over? So I entered the portal after our last game. Um, was talking to my old coaches that coached me at Temple pretty much, and they were at Baylor, so I had Matt Rule. So I decided to go down there and visit with my family. Loved it. Loved everything that we were about. And I just wanted to get the ball more. That was pretty much the whole real reason for leaving Temple was just trying to get the ball more, ball more and get myself out there. So I committed to Baylor a couple weeks later, then – I seen Matt Rule had left, and I was still fine with Baylor. But then I seen Coach Lebby, who coached UCF um, the year before that, and actually that year that we played them, they beat us sixty-three to twenty-eight. So I just knew his offense, loved his offense, and I was just like, "Hmm, let me message Coach Lebby since he followed me when I was still committed to Baylor." Message him, sent me his number, called him pretty much. We talked. They said they watched my film, they loved me, they want me to take a visit there, so I took a visit and told Baylor that I would let them know, take a visit. And then it was just like everything I could imagine. I had Momo as a host, who was a great guy. I had Coach Kiffin there. We had Coach Finley and everybody there. So just being with all of them and just seeing the area, what they told me how they were going to use me and the different type of things that they do, it was just like a no-brainer to go play in the SEC for Coach Kiffin. We've heard about how good of a recruiter Jeff Lebby is, but what is Lane Kiffin like when he's trying to recruit you, when he's pitching you to come to his school? He really just tells you straight up how it is, like what what you need to do, what they want from you, what they want you to do. And it was just simple, honestly. It was like, 
you're going to come here, you're athletic, you're going to catch balls, you can block, you can do everything you need to do and just work hard and you'll see. That was pretty much it. <laughs> that was his pitch. And it's really interesting because immediately you and Elijah emerged as one and two as the pass catching options. It seemed like a seamless transition. Did it feel that way the minute you stepped onto the practice field and started to kind of get settled into the offense? Was it pretty easy for you to get into it? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely would, would say that. I mean, Elijah's a smart guy. I'm a smart football player also. So, I mean, it was, I don't think it was hard at all for neither of us to learn the playbook and just know exactly where to be. And then also having that timing and that trust with Matt, just building that trust over the whole year. And just that all really started from March, February, just running routes with each other and just setting up timing, really. There was no spring. And behind the scenes, there wasn't really a quarterback battle. But in the public, you heard about a quarterback battle. When did y'all know that Matt was that dude? I knew I knew right off rip, honestly, when we were running. When I got there, what, January, end of January? So yeah. We were workouts, and we were able to run routes with each other then. So I knew right then and there. I remember running routes with him and just seeing the way he slung that ball. It was just... It was just different, honestly, much different than all the quarterbacks I've had in the past. He just has that it factor about him, honestly. What went in then to the decision to opt out with you and Elijah the last two games? And do you regret it at all, considering how the Outback Bowl went? Um, so, I mean, I played the South, so the South Carolina game. I caught the pass. I got twisted up wrong. I pulled my hip flexor, my groin. I couldn't really run. So next week for a couple of days, I didn't practice. Then I played in the Mississippi State game with a wrap on. Still wasn't fully healthy, but then I was still going to keep playing. But then the next week, we got hit with Corona, Texas A&M, and I was with our training staff for a month, not really getting any better. So, I mean, I was still, like, gimpy and stuff like that. I wasn't my full self, so I just really didn't – I talked with the coaches, talked with my family, and just really didn't want to put bad stuff on film because I wasn't playing 100%. So, um, yeah, throughout that whole week, Texas A&M, I just thought about it, talked to my coaches, and thought the best decision for me was to start getting rehab somewhere else and start getting preparing myself for the next level. So, I mean, it was all that. It was a lot of thought into it. Um, it wasn't easy at all. It really sucked because um, I wanted to play an LSU game. I wanted to, That was a big game for me because LSU beat us last year, so I wanted to play LSU. And then also playing the bowl game since I didn't play in my bowl game at Temple my last year. So it, it really sucked. It did just knowing that I couldn't be myself and just play in the game. But I'm glad that they won the Outback Bowl and that they played real hard. I also knew that we had some good tight ends behind us. So it's not like I was leaving the team handicapped fully. So, yes, sir. That was really all that, that went into it. Yeah, the Outback Bowl. What was that experience like for you? Because it really was the culmination of a season that there were so many unknowns, right? I mean, y'all didn't know what week y'all were playing, uh, which teams. I mean, it just switched up all year. The schedule changed immediately. The practice schedule, the end of the year was just a mess. So uh -huh. to go through all that, but then to see the reward, which was a win over a top 11 team in the country in Indiana, what kind of reward was that for you? And just to see your teammates get to experience that too. Oh, I was so happy. I was so happy. I remember I was home over Christmas break at that point, and I just watched the whole game and just seeing Casey Kelly score a touchdown. And, man, it just made me so happy inside. And just to see the way Drum went to work, uh, Matt took leadership, and just seeing the way our defense played too. Also, Otis had an interception. So it was just like it was a lot of things that a lot of things that made me happy, and I was just excited to see them go out there. And they played real hard, played real tough, and – they're playing our brand of Ole Miss football. Okay, I got to ask you this. You brought up Otis, and Otis mm -hmm. went through an absolutely ridiculous waiting period with the NCAA. As teammates, how did y'all support him in that? How frustrating was it for him? And how did y'all help him get through it? Pretty much it was an everyday thing. I mean, I know it's something for me, if I was in his position, I would have been thinking about it every day. And I know the way he loves football, so... I know it just burned me inside just having to see him after games. He'd be like, bro, great game like last Saturday, like tell, and telling me how happy he was for me and just being excited. Like, he's a great person at heart. I mean, he never, he never, like, pulled back at practice. He went even harder at practice. He was on a scout defense, giving us a great look. Never came to practice and whined, 
he could have complained. He could have did a lot of bunch of other stuff and just saying, I'm not playing. I'm opting out, doing all this other stuff. But he just kept his head down. That's what I really admired about him during that whole process. He kept his head down, just kept working real hard. So, I mean, like a person like that, how can you not support them, really? So, I mean, I I would talk to him all the time. I know there's some days he'd be more down than others, but always just uplifting him. That's what teammates are for, honestly. And I know I wasn't the only one doing it. I know a lot of for a lot of Ole Miss fans, it was where did Casey Kelly come from? Did you know he had that in him? Oh yeah, I knew when he. Yeah, I knew that. I knew he had that in him, without a doubt. I know it was probably new to a lot of fans, but we we all knew that. It's not it's not even just me. Like even our teammates knew that. They knew that he he can run routes, he can catch the ball, and he could do in the blocking game. Also, I know you guys probably seen a couple plays from this year where he's knocking people on their butt and stuff like that. So. I mean, we always knew that, so it wasn't really a big surprise to anyone. He's a, he's a baller. Looking at the offense next year, without you, without Elijah, what do you think the offense will look like? Do you think they'll be able to just pick up where they left off, so to speak, and um, really make a run at things again? Yeah, definitely, and even in hopes of them having a spring ball, that would definitely help them also. So I really don't don't think there'll be that much big of a difference, honestly. I feel like they're going to all go out there out there and have something to prove because I know a lot of people are going to be like oh Kenny's not there Elijah's not there like oh we don't know but I, I really still believe that coach Kiffin and coach Levy will have them right and they'll do great things I think the defense is going to be even even better this year also and they're going to go re- work real hard um, I know a lot of people are look, taking self-reflection on the team and just looking at themselves and I just know for a fact that they're going to come out harder the tight end room, assuming that they don't add anyone, is there enough talent there in your opinion? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, we got Chase, Trace Rogers. We have Jonathan Hess, Casey Kelly, obviously. So I feel like they'll be great. And also, they just added a new tight end from high school. So he's supposed to be pretty good. So I, I really plan on it. And I know they just got the new tight ends coach from USC. So I'm hoping to meet him once I get that back down there. But it seems like they'll do fine. I mean, Coach Finley was a great coach. Uh, he taught us a lot. I, I mean, I talk with them every other day, I would say. We have, like, a group chat. So I just told him, I said, pretty much, I mean, coaches come and leave, coaches come and go, but players will make the team. So I just told him, just take what you learned from Coach Finley and just acquire what you're about to learn from the new coach and just keep working on your craft every day so you guys can be the best. I asked this to Ben Brown. I'll ask it to you before we get out of here. Is Matt Corral a Heisman candidate going into next year? Oh, thousand percent, a hundred percent, without a doubt, he is. There it is. He should be. Oh, I forgot There's to mention, no Royce Newman was there with you at the Senior Bowl. How was that to have him there? And it looked like he performed well too. Yeah, it was fun. Honestly, I mean, you know, it's crazy. Jim Nagy didn't put me on. I was supposed to be on his team, but they put me on that Dolphins team on purpose because I had Coach Matt Rule at Temple. So I wasn't really on the same team as him. But, I mean, I heard from a lot of the guys, and I heard from him himself that he had a great week and he had fun. Um, I would see him when I would see him because we were kind of, like, separate because of the whole COVID situation. But it was great. It was honestly fun having another teammate there just representing Ole Miss, and I'm just thankful for it. I forgot about the Matt Rule connection. What is he like? Oh, it was really cool. I seen him my first day there. He was excited to see me. I mean, I was his last recruiting class at Temple. So, um, yeah, he was just really excited. He's a great guy. He gets the best out of you um, any way he can. And he's just, a, he's just a great coach, honestly. He's an offensive and defensive coach. You know, some coaches usually are just one side of the ball. He does both, and that's what I really admired about him. Since the Ole Miss experience is over, what's going to be your most lasting memory from your time at Ole Miss? It was brief. But still, the production yeah. was pretty incredible. Oh, I would definitely say the Mississippi State game, the Egg Bowl, just like the whole week and then leading up to the game, how everybody just talked about it and how everybody wanted to win it. And it was just meant like such a big, big thing to Ole Miss fans. That's really what I think will stick with me forever. I mean, I wish I got to experience it without the whole COVID, but it was still a great, great experience. Okay, wait. Now, if you get announced in a starting lineup on NBC or whatever, and they're going through, and it's like, Kenny Yaboa, is it Ole Miss? 
Is it Temple? What are you shouting out? Uh, I don't know. I might just say both. I, I can't. I I was at Temple for four years. I can't. I can't leave them out. So I might. I might have to say Ole Miss and slash Temple or Temple slash Ole Miss. I might have to. I haven't really. That's funny that you asked me that because I haven't. I haven't thought about that yet. Right. Right. What's the hotty toddy yeah. equivalent at Temple? What's their phrase? Uh, Temple Tough. There you go. That's what they said. Yeah, so Temple you say Kenny, yeah, Kenny Yaboa, Hotty Toddy, and Simple Tough. Perfect. Yeah, there was, yeah. honestly, that is perfect. <laughs> we just solved yeah, it. There you go. Yeah, you did. You, you did. came on Talk of Champions with Ben Garrett, and all of a sudden we just solved the problem, and, and now you don't even have to think about it. So there you go. He's Kenny Yaboa, <laughs> former Ole Miss, yes, tight end, now going to the NFL. Best of luck, man. Thanks for doing this, and we'll talk again. Yes, sir, of course. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mr. Garrett. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.